Hey guys, this is Don Airy from Deep Purple and you are listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 239, Before They Were Purple, Don Airy. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where the bitches are in heat, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. Whoa, I don't know how I can beat that. <laughs> and coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Airy Matola. <laughs> there you go. How long did it, it take you to think of that one? <laughs> and coming to you from the torn apart streets of Las Vegas, Nevada, Scott, the check engine light returns to oh. Haskin. Oh, no. Yeah, really? I, I, would, I would like to say it was you that was returning, but the check engine light has also returned. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's uh, it must have known I was coming on the show. Yeah, but it's like uh, it's, you know, I'm going to do everything to to thwart your effort. Uh, no, it's it, it's it's like I drive two thousand miles a year on on my car. Like the last two years have been literally two thousand miles a year. Wow! And um, it's a twenty year old car. It's going to have problems, but it's just like they've all racked up this year. So uh, I dropped it off. And uh, it's about a 30 minute walk home. Not too bad, you know, with as much walking as I do on the strip. That's pretty, pretty easy for me. Uh, and I go to pick it up. And of course, what I do now is a tradition that I listen to some Christmas episode that you guys have done. I don't know why I started because it's like in the summertime, I want something that's going to make me feel like it's chilly. Summer in Las and, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 117 degrees. You want the idea of snow. And, uh, and this year I was listening to the one uh, that you did from the cabin. Oh, so yes. did, oh yeah, uh, you know, via via satellite, and um, I I get almost to the repair center, and I just stopped in my tracks and I went, oh shit, and I reached back, I didn't bring my wallet. Oh, um, so another thirty minutes back home, and then oh. another thirty minutes oh. back, but I got through you know a good chunk of the episode, but uh, <laughs> that's it, the it was an unexpected walk. Wow. Well, I guess um, when you know that you're going to be on the episode, Scott, just like just book an appointment with your mechanic in advance, I guess. <laughs> That's a good idea at this point. You know, it's like, should we invite Scott on the episode? Yeah, I think he's due for an oil change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just Tire reminding rotation. him of his normal stuff. <laughs> Better check That's my right. wiper fluid. <laughs> Oh, uh, this dog. Yeah. yeah, so this dog, which I'm going to have to bring upstairs. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> she, she, so she's in heat. We were scheduled oh next week to have her spayed, and then she decided, well, not she decided, but she became in heat. So hmm, I know the feeling. <laughs> I mean, I live in Vegas. We're always in heat one way or another. <laughs> yeah, you're in heat. Matola's is literally in heat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to might have to pause for a second. Hello there, where she's right. yeah she she's been joining us on episodes lately and not making any noise, but I think she's she's getting a little riled up. So she is wearing a diaper right now, so a little dog diaper. Hmm. Oh, just just I, like just like a human I, diaper. It's just got a little hole for the tail. <laughs> <You> just, 
<laughs> the tail throwing. Yeah. I got to see this. Yeah. Well, I can, well, oh. I can send you a picture. Yeah, please. <laughs> Over here. So yeah, Scott, thank you for joining us. Those of uh, us yeah. who don't, uh, or those those people who aren't familiar with Scott, Scott, why don't you tell them a little bit about the shows that you do? Oh, good God! Well, uh, <laughs> I do on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. I do Uriah Heap, the Magicians Podcast. I covered uh, everything they've ever recorded, and I'm waiting for them to maybe do another album so I can do some more shows. But that show's uh, pretty much set now. And then I have the Haskin Cast podcast, which you guys have been uh, superstar guests of multiple episodes. Oh, yeah. Where I uh, do everything from uh, interviewing people to album reviews to uh, just whatever. And uh, we got uh, we got some good stuff coming up for Halloween. Very excited about. And uh, and then I have uh, some books out uh, that I've written, some on Vegas, some on composing. And then there's my uh, fiction series, The Universal Court. And you can find that all on my website at scotthaskin.com. He is a man of many talents. I don't know if you actually said pitch your stuff or just tell people who you are, but I, I just pitch my same, stuff. The same thing, really. <laughs> yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Rich um, is going to wonder why you sent him a picture of a dog's tail. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Okay. I did. Oh, wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's different. The, the pictures of the, of the diaper, dog diaper, have been sent. <laughs> <laughs> freaking oh my god i wonder how the dog feels about that so if he's like oh god well somebody i work with i was talking to about it today and he said that he had to do that to his dog and she like would just go subtle in the corner like she was ashamed my dog does not seem to care <laughs> got to do that to his dog like they've been waiting or he <laughs> got to or had to i should say <laughs> Um, but hey, uh, if you want to support our show, you can do so a number of ways. One is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The 100th review gets a special Deep Purple Podcast ditty bag filled with goodies. Uh, we're, we're almost there, guys. We're not going to reveal how close we are to the 100 mark. But uh, if you want to write a review and you know be in touch with us, we will send you that ditty bag. Just got to purchase the ditty bag. <laughs> we'll figure out how we're going to do that. Um, you can also buy some merch at our Etsy store, and you can become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show. All the money goes right back into the show, buying stuff for the show, and going to our new computer fund. And you can also donate on Cash App at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Uh, and speaking of people that support us, we've got a number of great supporters at our executive level at the in memoriam tier. We have Gerald, Jerry Kelly and family at the $25 uncommon man tier. We have Ovis Nakvi and purple maniac at the 15 squid tier. We have Alan. I was a little quiet there. We're going to give him another one. Alan. That's better. At the $10 good doctor tier, we have Mike Catan. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard, Mortensen, Mickelstein, and Will Porter, PhDPP. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, we have Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. And at the Hughesween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. Do we, do we keep playing this like after like we just got to play this forever i guess we keep playing it after halloween i don't know 
It seems yeah, weird well, to go into Christmas season with it. We should make a Christmas <laughs> version of the Hughes-O-Ween. You know what's, you know what's weird, bells. too, is, is uh, yes. if, if you think about like the world that we live in with uh, all the social media profiles and somebody uh, posts like on, on uh, someone's death and like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And their picture's like, you know, <laughs> yes. it's just like it just drives me nuts. It just doesn't work. Yep. It's very true. Mm. Um, we do have another thing to uh, do before we carry on with uh, the rest of the show. And that is, of course, an old favorite. That's right. It's Postcards from the Edge of Connecticut. This one actually comes to us from New Jersey, and it is uh, The Seeing Eye. Speaking of dogs. Speaking of dogs. <laughs> I don't oh, know. If, golden in the middle. I don't know if these bitches are in heat, but they are in <laughs> service, as you can see by their harnesses. And... Uh, it's, it says The Seeing Eye. So on the back, it says The Seeing Eye, Inc., Morristown, New Jersey. I've been to Morristown. Very, very lovely. Um, that's what we call the nice part of New Jersey. It says Enhancing the Independence, Dignity, and Self-Confidence. They always put the postmark over this. Of blind people since 1929. So thank you there. Um, so it says, Nate, now here is a New Jersey greeting for you. Peter, also signed by Eve, sister number two, Polly, sister number three, and Catherine, sister number one. So thank you for that. And, um, you right. know, I might be short and stubby, but Pete is the little brother. He's the little he's the little guy that happens to be immensely tall. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful. Goes right in the postcard box with all the other wonderful postcards we've accumulated over the years. So thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, who knows what postcards will be next? Speaking of which, maybe we'll get some um, Christmas postcards from from Peter. From like, oh, it'll be like, they're they're coming. It'll they're be coming. like you know a postcard of like some Christmas from Germany in eighteen eighty nine or something. <laughs> you never know what to expect with that. The guy. original house of Father Christmas. The original, the original <laughs> house. <laughs> All right, guys. So we are here to talk about the one, the only Don Airy. As we enter the, even though we've kind of talked about Don Airy, I feel like uh, about four million times on the show. Um, He's been on the show, for God's sake. Um, (laughs) But Mm. we haven't gone into an in-depth dive. And that's one of the things I I got from people was that they were really, they liked the before they were purple episodes that we did very, very early on. And then we kind of didn't do one for Joel and Turner because we had covered so much of his stuff before we covered Mm. Slaves and Masters. But we did one for Steve Morse before we did Perpendicular. And as we get into the Don Airy era, here we are. Got a a, a long... uh, collection of stuff about Don Airy and uh, some go through his career and play some little snippets and bits from uh, the, the many, many things he's done before Deep Purple at this point. Uh, so what's you, what are you guys' thoughts on Don Airy, memories of him? When did we first aware of him? Let's, 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 get, let's get to brass tacks here, guys. Who wants to go first? I think we should let our guest go first. There you go. As always. And that is me. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he's actually been somebody I, I knew of for a very long time. Uh, Down to Earth is, as, as I've said many times, probably the album I've listened to more than any other album ever. 
And so uh, I, I've heard him at, at great length. I didn't know until years later that he had played with Ozzy because I never... Um, I never followed the musicians to to see where they went. I mean, if I heard of like, you know, I heard David Coverdale had done White Snake, so I checked that out, fell in love with White Snake. But that sounded wrong. But um <laughs> I, I never really you fell in chased love with his the, White Snake. <laughs> I never really chased the history of the of the members. So um I've actually learned more about Don through your show than I have anything mm-hmm. I've ever done. However, uh, I, I did not get to play with Don, but he did play on a song that my band did, uh, era patches. Um, but unfortunately that was before I joined the band. So I didn't get to play with him, um, which, uh, you know, who knows we're, we're not done. We're going to do another album in, uh, in the winter. So, uh, maybe who knows what'll happen. That'd be pretty awesome. Hmm. You're Yeah. You've got the sort of one connection away from deep purple. I'm a couple more connections mm-hmm. cause my, uh, Former bandmate played in a band with Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> so oh, there you I'm, go. T- yeah. I'm two steps removed. <laughs> and then I guess that would make John three steps removed through me. Well, <laughs> I'm yeah. John's connection to Deep Purple. <laughs> well, I'm also I'm also closer connected because of uh, I'm friends with Rich. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's my closest connection right there. Well, that's and true. he's been on your show, which is kind of a you know maybe yeah. not a direct musical connection, but that's a bigger accolade than, than most people have. Hmm. Yeah, we should do, we should just do like John should just like pick pick up a guitar and I'll pick up the bass here and we're like Don hit a chord, bling, and we'll be like yeah, <laughs> we, we jammed with Don Harry. We're we're in the uh, we're in the extended Deep Purple family now. John and Nate <laughs> featuring Don Harry on keys hmm. or key. You just be like, plink, just you know, yeah. plink. He'll just pick up like a little kid's toy piano, plink. Just, just hit a tubular bell. That's all I need. Exactly. Mm. That's, that's all, all we really need. Uh, what about you, John? What's your history with Don Airy? So my, mine was kind of the reverse of Scott's was, is like, I only, I only knew about him from Ozzy. Um, and I didn't know that he did anything else. And because he was never... Um, at least in like uh, Blizzard of Oz and uh, and Bark at the Moon, he wasn't. Um, well, Bark at the Moon, he was in the video, but I mean, as far as I knew from him when I was younger, I would just see his name on the credits, like keyboard Don Airy, and I'd be like, oh, so I knew his name, but he was never like really an onstage keyboard player. And as we've discussed before, he's never really been one of those glitzy out front type of guys. He's always just kind of. Uh, provided the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of great music, but never been like showy or slave to the trends or anything. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of, um, you know, done a lot of behind the scenes work and played with a lot of different bands. So mm. when he finally like uh, joined Deep Purple and they're just like, oh, the new keyboard player is going to be Don Airy. I thought, oh, well, that's cool. And because I knew that that, the, oh, that guy has cred. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I didn't realize how much and I know how much... <laughs> backstory he had with Deep Purple being in, um, you know, all the, you know, so many different uh, projects and playing with so many of the same musicians. So I, I always thought it was cool, but I never knew that he was as much of a presence as we found out um, and uh, in the coming years. And I, you know, along with Scott, I would say that I also have learned most of what I know about Don Airy from our show. Yeah. And I, I probably will third that because <laughs> I did. It's the same thing. I remember when they announced him with Deep Purple. I don't even know. I'm. I don't even know if I 100 percent 
Like I knew the name and I was just like, oh yeah, Don. And then I looked him up. I'm like, oh God, yeah, he did all this stuff. And it kind of, kind of branched, it kind of branched out from there. But obviously my, my first real interactions with him would have been from the, the Ozzy and Black Sabbath stuff that he right. guested on. Um, although he was kind of really part of Ozzy's, uh, proper touring band at a, at a point too. I didn't really know the rainbow stuff until I would get into yeah. deep purple later, but we'll get into it. But the first thing I ever would have heard him play, I'm going to play tonight um, as, as we go through his kind of back catalog. And, uh, but I didn't know it at the time that this, this had anything to do with him. Um, and it was actually a, a record my mom had um, mm. and that she that she would play. And I started to really dig it and and I would play it, too. And, um, you know, then I, I realized way later, like very, very much later um, mm. that that holy crap, that was Don Ari. So that would have been the for my first exposure to him. But. Um, yeah. You could al- you could almost make a drinking game out of did Don Airy play on this song or not because he has done so many studio sessions. It's crazy what he's actually done. It's hundreds. I, I don't. I, I bet he wouldn't even remember half of them. I mean, I've, not, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've I've heard like I, I want to say that when he when he joined Deep Purple, um, and and like I said at the time, I have no idea how much I knew aside from Ozzy. Um, but I just remember thinking like, well, if anybody's going to replace John Lord, it's, I feel like this guy has some, some street cred Mm -hmm. and just without really knowing anything, without even knowing like seven, 90%, I was going to say 75, like 99% of like whatever he had done previously, which as we found out or are going to find out is a lot. So I I I remember when, uh, when they announced that John Lord was retiring and I thought, I know they're not going to stop, but who would you, who would you get? I mean, yeah, you're not going to get another John Lord because there is only one John Lord, but who could you get that could really step in and keep up with these guys? Cause the list has to be really limited. And, and of course, you know, one of the first names that came to mind was Rick Wakeman. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there's, there's maybe somebody who could do it. Uh, I thought Keith Emerson was probably, I, I don't think that would work from a writing standpoint. I, mm-hmm. I think he's too dominant of a writer for that to work. Uh, and I, and I did consider Don Neary. I also thought about David Rosenthal. I thought he might mm-hmm. be somebody that, uh, but I, I had no idea what he was doing at the time, but I think those Billy um, Joel checks are a little too big to, <laughs> to pass yeah, up exactly. to go join the purple. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, he was somebody I thought of, but I, I did remember another, uh, slight connection. Um, Don Neary had stepped in, uh, when Phil Lanzon's son passed away and he had to mm-hmm. take a couple gigs off from Uriah Heep, Don Neary stepped in and, and played. And I, I was thinking at the time, you know, they're such a keyboard heavy band. How do you just, I mean, aside from just the performance of what they do, which you'd have to learn very quickly. And it's not like they have all their stuff written in sheet music that they can go, here you go, learn it. And, you know, we'll see you at four o'clock. It's, it's getting the sounds right. Mm-hmm because a lot of those sounds are very specific. I mean, it's a lot of Hammond B3, but a lot of specific sounds. And, and I remember um, when I was hanging out with Graham Bonnet, I said, uh, I, I was telling him the story and I said, so let me ask you this. How do you just jump in to a band like Don Airy and just go and play a couple of gigs? And he just looked at me and he smiled and he goes, cause he's Don fucking Airy. Right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's not a lot of people could have done that. And that's that's really the only answer, right? Is is the same thing like with Joe Satriani just jumping in cold, and mm. Don Airy jumping in to to fill in for even before he joined the band to fill in for John Lord? Is yeah, they're they're operating at a different level, and yeah, like I, 
and I also often wondered, is he familiar with this whole catalog of Uriah Heap songs? Does he, what's his process for getting ready? I mean, obviously you could put anything in front of him, he could figure it out, but I think part of it is just the sheer skill he has and the professionalism of just being able to figure it out. And if you know how a song goes, you can kind of figure it out and, and be mm-hmm. okay. But if you don't even know how the song goes, like I, I, I don't know how they, if they cued him on certain things or whatever, but yeah, he's Don Airy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Really amazing. And, and I mean, watching him play is is kind of a neat thing, too, because, you know, a lot of you, you watch a lot of keyboard players, they play with their fingers flat. He almost seems to like knuckle it and curl his fingers and, and almost just jab at the keyboard. What it looks like watching him play versus what you hear yeah. are two completely <laughs> different things. And it's just mm. amazing. It's, it, every time I see him play, I'm just I'm just blown away by by that part alone. Yeah, his, te- his technique is unique. It's just like I've never mm. seen anybody play quite like that. It's like he's clutching two things in his hand and just, you know. Um, but yeah, something else. Oh, Scott lost his camera. For our audio listeners, you will notice no difference. There he is. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. Should we, should we get right into it? Yes. Mantle. Yeah, that's all. You're a little jerky, Scott. Can hear. <laughs> we can hear you fine. <laughs> probably just your internet will probably clear up in a little bit. Um, all right, so we got uh the first thing we got up one of his f- or first early sort of um, credits, and like you said, he just p- kind of played with everybody everywhere. Is uh, Cozy Powell's Hammer. And the song, the single that he released, Na Na Na. So let's check this out. So, um, very catchy. <laughs> it sounds like it could be like almost like a uh, Partridge Family sort of song. Um, so, Cozy, Don Airy, Bernie Marsden also in this band. Oh, all right. He, overlo- he overlaps with those two guys on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Kind of has like a, uh, almost makes me think of like um, early version of Twisted Sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, they were around at this point, too. So their stuff sounded very similar. Their were they around stuff, in the, like the early 70s? They were, they were around since the late, I think, I want to say the late 60s. Holy cow. Early almost, 70s. That almost sounds like Kevin Dubrow singing. Apparently it is um, it is um, Frank Aiello. Hmm. Who doesn't have a ton of other credits? Hmm. 
Yeah. Although I think he was in the band Bedlam with Cozy Powell later on. Mm. So anyway, I don't know that we need to go through all of these songs like in their entirety, but that's kind of the... Uh, That is well, the. Um, where's, where is uh, where's Don Airy in this though? No idea. <laughs> He's in there somewhere. It's very guitar heavy, right? It doesn't sound like there's much. Yeah, I was gonna say I was I was thinking that maybe like during the second verse we'd hear like kind of like the, a honky tonk piano or something, but yeah. I didn't really. Yeah, maybe I didn't really at, pick anything up. Maybe it's at the end. I don't know. Maybe they just said he was on there to be cool. <laughs> you know what's gonna sell some records, kids? <laughs> <laughs> from this unknown drummer telling them that an unknown keyboardist is on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, still a cool song, but I, um, yeah, maybe it's I one of those know. things like he was in the band and that, that single was like, maybe he wasn't on, I don't know, but I could tell you something he was on, which is this next track. So Coliseum two is the band, which I, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, we pro- I think we played some of their stuff before. This is Coliseum two. And the uh, song is called Dark Side of the Moog. And this is a uh, um, a live performance. And this is a lot of Don Airy. <laughs> so that's Gary Moore and guitar. There we go. Did he play in, in uh, Gary Moore at the same time that uh, Ian Pace did? Yes. Yeah, so Don Airy had played with Ian Pace. He had played with Roger Glover. Mm-hmm. He had played with Richie Blackmore. So he he, he was... <laughs> Ian Gillen, I think, is the only person he hadn't played with prior to joining Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. Huh. I guess Steve Morris, but... I thought this video just cut to an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> it kind of looks like Danger Mouse. Some nice drumming. Bass playing is awesome. This is very uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, but with a guitar. Yeah, right. So Neil Mari is the bassist in Coliseum 2, but it doesn't look like him in this live performance. Hmm. So you've got Gary Moore, Neil Mari. John Heisman on drums. Wait, Neil Murray's another one you just can't go wrong with. No, nah, he's he's out of control. It's very like uh, prog sounding stuff here, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very like proggy fusion. I don't know what's going on with this video. I mean, is that Neil Murray with like a beard? No, that's not Neil Murray. Oh, I've. I don't know. Yeah, so he might not have been in the, in the band at the time of the video. So somebody is, is somebody's edited in a lot of weird stuff into this video. <laughs> I've heard the song yeah, before, but say I, this. I never saw the video, but... <laughs> okay, I'm <gonna> going <laughs> I think we need to do a whole episode on that video alone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be after the fact, because I'm pretty sure Chris Farley wasn't... Uh, Chris Farley and yeah and um, and uh, Dita <laughs> did not make an appearance. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I watched wow. like the first few seconds on YouTube, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the video. This is what I'm thinking of. 
<laughs> you get a minute in and there's like a lot of people on toilets and a guy getting punched <laughs> in the balls, like rabbit punched in the balls by somebody. You know, I, I've never done acid, but that's what I imagine it's like. <laughs> it certainly brings a new context to the music and almost kind of uh, it's kind of overshadowing yeah. the, the music now. Um but yeah, it's uh, it, I really like the stuff. I've heard this album a few times. I I, I dig it. There's another one on YouTube, um, which I was I was tempted to put that one in, but I said I'll go with this one because this was actually a full writing credit for Don Airy and Gary Moore wrote that song um, hmm. together. But there's another one in there too. Oh, shoot, what was the name of it? It's a great video. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But another really really amazing musicianship between him and Gary Moore and Gary Moore known as being like the consummate sort of blues guy, but showing that he can also play stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected this from Gary Moore, but I'm really glad you picked that video. That, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a, a half. Oh, I don't know if it was a happy accident, but it was an accident for sure. Dark side of the Moog. Um, all right. So uh, next up we have a track by Babe Ruth. One of the one of Bernie Marsden's early bands, and of course, also featuring Mr. Don Airy. And this one is called what is it? It's called Sweet Sweet Surrender. It's like a JLT sort of thing. So you get them on some like funky clavinet sort of thing. Dry funky drums. Hmm. Yeah, very dry. This is off the album Kid Stuff. It's a good groove. This is Ellie Hope on um, vocals. Neil Murray again on bass. And you know who plays the vibes on this, uh, John? No. Frank Riccati. Hey. <laughs> These people always come back, man. Well, I mean, it's, it's like Ian Gillen said. It's, you know, People look at this and say there's a lot of nepotism, but there just aren't a lot of people that can play at this level. Oh, you know what? This is the wrong song. This is the, <laughs> the album opener. So this album, this song is called Oh Dear, What a Shame. So um, this is actually locally. This this kind of reminds me of Free Flight. Free Flight from uh, White Snake. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So the um, trying to see where the. Sweet, sweet surrender is on this one. Do I not? Did I not mark it down? I don't think I did. But anyway, that gives you kind of an idea of what this band was sounding like. Make sure Don Airy. It's good. I like that. Well, you know the worst thing is though, Don Airy's not even on this song. I really messed <laughs> up. Kick-ass band huh. though. <laughs> so I loved Don your Ar- podcast, guys. Yeah, I know, right? Sweet, sweet <sighs> surrender. Let's go. Let's see. this is the one I gave you my love and I 
you've played this before. I have. I've re- I re- recognize it. Yeah. It's it's always amazing to me when I hear a song like this how good it sounds being as dry as it is. It's like this mm-hmm. is before they invented reverb. <laughs> yeah, but yet it sounds really good. Back then, if you went into a cave and hit a snare drum, it would just be like. Bah. So this is officially Don Airy, Neil Murray, Bernie Marsden. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you played this on our Bernie episode. Did I? I wonder if they thought of Don Airy for Whitesnake before John. Or if he was a backup, if if John couldn't be convinced. Hmm, It's possible. They went through quite a few keyboardists before John. That's true. And then he kind of stayed with them for a bit, but a sweet, sweet surrender up in the ante on JLT before he even did it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Babe Ruth is like one of those bands that I think they, um, everything I've heard from them is really good, but they do have some of the worst album covers ever. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> yeah, that all was... on the nose. It's like a little boy with a baseball bat. I'm Babe Ruth. I'm hitting the baseball because that's what Babe Ruth did. It's like so on the nose. It's all baseball themed <laughs> album covers. It's like, why are you doing this? Plus you're all British. Like, why would you, why do you oh, care about point. baseball? You're not supposed to. Well, but it, I mean, I have to wonder too, I, and I don't know, you know, how stringent things were back then. Probably nobody cared, but I mean, nowadays I would, I would have to think there would be all kinds of legal issues using somebody's, you know, not just the name, but, but their whole identity to yeah. create something that has nothing to do with them. Um, it, uh, those laws are definitely coming with all the AI issues that are going on, but yeah. um, uh, maybe back then just, he was like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't know what, what what would happen. Like, like if you named your band like Muhammad Ali, would they be like, you can't do that? Even though it's like, I actually work with a guy named Muhammad Ali. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like his name. I mean, just what his name is. Um, so like, I don't know, like if you could get away with that or if they'd be like, you know, if they're not using his likeness, maybe it's okay. I guess it yeah. depends. Like Deep Purple is not trademarkable or, tra- or it's they couldn't even trademark it if they wanted to because it's right the name of a color um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know I, yeah, I don't know how that works yeah i mean they they are obviously using his likeness on on the album cover so that's that kind of raised the question to me it's like yeah i get it if if there, there could be another guy you know named uh, ozzy osbourne out there who could freely start a band and call himself some variation of that because the one's already been used but when you're actually using somebody's likeness and that takes it to another level yeah, usually they end up just using a middle initial. I'm Ozzy P. Osborne. Right. <laughs> I do a different kind of music. Who is getting ready to start another uh, album, I've heard. Oh, my God. Come on, Which man. another farewell tour. <laughs> another. It's, what's not? Another farewell. I feel like since I got into Ozzy, he's been doing a farewell tour. was his first one in like 92 or something. Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was the original after long I goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, except the, at least Deep longest. Purple admitted what they were doing. They're not like constantly horn swoggling people into thinking that they're doing another. Like, but with him, I remember it was like nineteen ninety two. So I'd probably been like listening to Ozzy for like three or four years, and I'm like, oh man, he's retiring. Well, yeah, he's getting up there in age. I get it. And here we yeah, are. He's like, oh, I'm I'm forty. I don't know how much longer I can do this shit. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> get out of here. Guy's crazy. 
Um, all right, so now this next one is uh, so those were both 1976. Those last two ones. This next one, 1978. Barbara Thompson is the name of the artist, and this is the cool thing about Don Airy was in Cozy Powell's Hammer. He was in Coliseum too, but a lot of these things, like it seems like over and over again, he's not really a part of the group in a lot of these groups. It's mostly like studio stuff he's doing. Like some of them he'll be a part of the group or he'll be part of the group temporarily. Um, but this one, Barbara Thompson, and it's called uh, most, the main reason I want to do is because the song is called the funky flunky. So here we go. I mean, with a name like the funky flunky, how can you go wrong? Is that a pig's head on a stick? Oh, um, it's some- turkey. Oh, that was a vibroslap, I think. It was. It looks almost like a cat or like a raccoon or something on a stick. Yeah. It looks like it has a tail. Listen to this. It does. This is something like sight unseen. You just put this on and I'll be like, I could listen to this all day. Yeah, if this slipped into a rotation, I would I would not be unhappy. No, I'd just be like, well, who, what is this? I need to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is, um, so Don Airy arranged this song. It was written by Barbara Thompson. I'm not familiar with her. Was she anyone of note? Apparently, um, she's a flute player. Hmm. Don Airy was doing a lot of arrangements mm. and things back mm. then. Yeah, this is not honestly not the kind of stuff that I hon- would have honestly thought he w- uh, did or was into. This was produced by um, Chris Sangarides. Mm. You'll, you'll find his name kind of popping up a lot in this throughout Don's career. <laughs> I'm just uh, expecting a absolutely blistering flute solo any second now. Right. <laughs> so far. Or maybe it's like a James Brown sort of thing, like everyone's playing and then she just comes out in a, in a robe and <laughs> throws it off and just starts to know flute solo. Comes down on a string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just like launches out of the stage from the bottom. But see, this is the beauty of being a session musician. If you think back to some of the stuff Richie did in his early career, it's not stuff you'd think, like if you got to pick a baby with Glenda Collins, that's not the kind of stuff you'd think about Richie doing either. Right. But that's that's the great thing about just being a versatile session musician is you can do whatever. Oh, so I, I missed, so she plays, this is her right now. She plays alto sax, flute. Jeez. Soprano sax and tenor sax. She's got some skills. Hmm. Every so often, like, I just hear something from... Oh, she was married to John Heisman. Look at that. No wonder. Oh. But every so often I hear something like this and I'm like, huh, I want to, like, own her entire catalog because it's... Mm -hmm. Like, this is something I could just really get into, but... Yeah, for sure. Anyway, that is uh, Barbara Thompson's uh, Jubiaba. Is that the name? Th- Thomas? Uh, Bar- Barbara Thompson's Jubiaba, I think is the name of the album. 1978. Jazz Funk Soul, released in the UK. She's British. Um, yeah, some really good stuff. Arranged by Don Airy. I'm really curious about this cover and that guy's Feast of Bones. 
Yeah, it's quite a weird. It almost has like kind of tinges of the Warhorse album cover, like the the tones of the of the colors and everything. Mm. Um, but definitely not a. It doesn't really necessarily go with the music that you're listen, listening to. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to expect if I saw that album cover. Well, not to pick on bananas because I, I know people are really just some, for some reason incredibly upset about that. But still, if you, people still work still, up about yeah. them. Well, well, that's why it's like seven hundred dollars a an LP if you can I even know, find right? it. Uh, oh, but, there's too many bananas on that album cover. <laughs> but it, it's it's like you listen to that record and there's no association with that cover whatsoever, except True, for right. there's a song called bananas, but mm-hmm. other, like yeah. the, the ethnic look of it, there's nothing in the music except maybe doing it tonight. But uh, yeah, very disassociated from the music for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So next up uh, we've got uh, some uh, black Sabbath. He played on black. He played with back black Sabbath on a few of their albums or a couple of their albums, I think at this point. And this is uh air dance from never say die, which I always loved this tune. I, I always felt like the last two Aussie Sabbath albums were unfairly maligned. Oh yeah. They're very different. Oh yeah. It's an interesting album cover if you think of their earlier albums, which were very dark and mysterious, and then you just got these colorful parachute looking people. And this was done by Hypnosis, the same people that did uh, Difficult to Cure. Mm. And apparently Difficult to Cure was a rejected album cover for this album. Oh, wow. So that was going to be the album cover of this, which would have been cool. Interesting. So you can hear a lot of ivories being tickled on the song. I think we've made up the reverb for all of the songs that we've listened to so far. <laughs> I'm not going to play anything yes. from White Snake 1987, but if I did, we would also make up for the dry, funky jazz drums we've heard so far. Oh, yeah. And they covered the entire set in a tea towel, not even just the individual drums. <laughs> Don Airy's going nice nuts plan. in the background on the piano. See, I'd like this, but this is not what I would expect when I think of, I want to hear some Black Sabbath. It's just not dark and brooding enough. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, this is not the stuff that you would play to introduce somebody to Sabbath, but a lifelong Sabbath fan or somebody that has all the albums could enjoy this, but you definitely wouldn't say like, hey, you know what I want to introduce a new uh, potential Sabbath fan to? Let's play Air Dance. (laughs) (laughs) We can give them an idea of what most of their music was like. Yeah, this is basically Black Sabbath right here. You don't need to listen to anything else. You get the idea. (laughs) They're kind of a jazzy band, you know. But I I am always like... Like with almost all the bands that I like, I tend to get into their later stuff a little bit more in the fact that I I like when they become a little more free to be experimental. Yeah. And do things yeah, that they wouldn't have necessarily blurry. done before. And that's why I really like the later Beatles stuff more so than the earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Because when they were doing things that could not possibly be done live, like I, I found that stuff really interesting. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, and, and I really like this. I think the, the challenge for me is more like when you have a name like Black Sabbath, you're kind of setting an expectation for the the direction of the band. And it and it feels like it's a little more limiting. Yeah. If, if you have a band like Slayer or Iron Maiden <laughs> that you can't be doing like show tunes, you know. Right. Whereas and then most you've got band bands like, you could. you've got bands like Slayer or Megadeth or Metallica that really never did anything particularly I mean they did what they did really well but they never did anything experimental like Sabbath did right and, these, and I, I mean, applaud him for it I maybe mean I'm a, I definitely don't know anything about Slayer but as far as Metallica mm-hmm. and Megadeth I guess Metallica you know threw in like Unforgiven and stuff like that so it was a little different for them but yeah they have a distinct sound and they never didn't vary, vary from it too too much right it's, it's evolved over time but it's it's still that same metal yeah so there's Don Eric kicking it off at the end with that little piano roll. But does yeah. that fade into another song? No, it keeps no, it's going. The same one. Yeah, it keeps oh. going. Keeps going for a yeah, while. Yeah, that was nice. Don Airy has been on a lot of six and seven minute long songs. So if we played <laughs> yeah. all of them in their entirety on this episode, we'd be uh, we'd be here till three in the morning. Well, I mean, if you can get Don Airy, you might as well use him as much as you possibly can. This is very true. Um, but that brings us to the next song, which is this is the first thing I ever heard Don Airy on without realizing I was hearing Don Airy. And that is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's um, Variations album, which is kind of like a jazz mm. fusion sort of album. And this is him doing uh, Paganini Caprice in A minor, number 24 and Variations 1 to 4. But I don't need to wow. tell you guys that. <laughs> So you've got these like acoustic instruments and Moog synths and everything. Hmm. You're funked up. So you got these, I don't know what you call these people with the cellos on the, on the album cover here. Very uh, period people. So this is what Andrew Lloyd Webber does when Tim Rice is busy writing lyrics. <laughs> He's like, hey, can you write any lyrics? No, nope. uh, don't worry. I'll just do some Paganini, a funked up Paganini album. I want Ingve must have been busy. <laughs> He's like, Paganini, did somebody say Paganini? I like that there's a flying V in the background, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this woman's playing like a mandolin and the guy in the front with the cello. Mm-hmm. Somebody's playing the harpsichord. One woman just has headphones on as reading a book. <laughs> Those beer cans yeah. around there. <laughs> so just gonna say, just noticed that. <laughs> so I know he did synths on this. Did he do piano too? Let's see. Very cool. You're oh, and Gary Moore does guitar in this. I forgot. Oh. So the the keyboards on this are Don Airy and Rod Argent, believe it or not. Hmm. Drums, John Heisman and Phil Collins. Interesting. So this is a pretty, uh, a pretty, a pretty hardcore lineup. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty. This is a pretty fun album. Um, my mom yeah, didn't I have never knew about this one. album. I think it was like 
Well, maybe she did have the album. I know she had like a, it, a compilation with some songs from this on it. Hmm. Some of the, the more uh, technical guitar players that I know studied Paganini and, and they integrate his playing into their stuff. And I'm like, it's, it's just amazing to watch because yeah. he's pretty intense. Not here, but in general. Yeah. And that's who Ingve would, would claim that he, he hasn't been influenced at all by Richie Blackmore, but he's 100% influenced by Paganini. Paganini Blackmore, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I thought it was a kind of a cool one. Um, yeah, it was. What else we got here? So, no, it, it's something that just really unexpected, too. Yeah, yeah and I mean, it's like how many albums does uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber put out? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously he does all of his musicals, but this is one that was never even intended to be a musical. It was just this like little jazz fusion thing he threw together, which was pretty cool with some amazing players. I mean, you get players yeah. like that, it just kind of creates itself. Um, the next one I got up is uh, this is a song we played many years ago on the show. Uh, this is Theme 1 by Cozy Powell. So this is from his Over the Top album. It's quite some. the lineup there. And this is um, 1979. This song has Jack Bruce on bass, Cozy Powell on drums, obviously Don Airy on piano, Bernie Marsden on guitar. And the song is written by George Martin, which is kind of really? weird. <laughs> I don't know how Cozy Powell got it. Hmm. Unless, it, makes it, me unless wonder it's a different George Martin. If there's another version of this out there somewhere and he just did it as a cover. But everything I can find, this is by the George, the Beatles producing George Martin. Hmm. So we're getting and into Cozy some was, really disco-y bass in the last couple songs. <laughs> Cozy was such a smooth drummer. And very... Musical. Mm -hmm. Okay, I feel like he considered the music, the non-percussion portion of it, more than most drummers. I think so. I think he just <laughs> played more toms in that little section than he did on the entire <laughs> Down to Earth album. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> You figure out everything around this time has to have a disco feel to it. Yeah. And the pew, 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 uh, my favorite bass trope. I mean, it's hard to beat. Especially if you're the fucking guy from Cream doing it. <laughs> That's right, right? Even he couldn't hey, resist. He's like, hey, I was the guy in Cream. That was the accent. <laughs> I was the guy in Cream. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. My accents are just your all Your Jack a Bruce foul. is even better than your Obama. <laughs> I am the guy in cream. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Good Lord, I am in cream. <laughs> what, what is that, a German accent I did? Or I don't know. I mean, it could go many different ways. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that is theme one, written by Sir George Martin. Uh, I'm going to have to cool. start taking like act, like acting classes or something and then come back. <laughs> take, yeah, take Just pause a, the recording, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pause the recording. John, you brush up on your accents and we'll come back to you. <laughs> that was good. That was cool, though. I remember you playing that one. Yeah, we played that, I think, when Laura was on the uh, was on the show and we did our Cozy mm-hmm. Power Roll episode way back when. It was pretty cool. Oh, the dog has gotten the fiber slap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put that away. <laughs> That's he, there was there was some good instrumentals that came out of that era. You know, it uh, it wasn't it just like when when I think people think of disco, or when I think of disco, I think of like the Bee Gees and Gloria Gaynor and that kind of thing. But there were some really good instrumentals that came out back in that in that era. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so a few other things that I'm not going to play. So it, Michael Schenker Group, obviously, he's on that album. Uh, we covered that in episode 216. Michael Schenker Group, check it out. He was also in 1980 on Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz. We did that in episode 106. You can check that one out. I'll links in the show notes. And then in 1981, he was on Rainbow's Difficult to Cure. And that's episode 60. So check that one out with Chris L. from Pot of Thunder. Um, then, uh, but the last one before we break for some patrons is, uh, some more Aussie, some Aussie we haven't covered yet. And that is, um, the song you're no different to me off of bark at the moon. Kind of synth heavy on this one. So. And normally I'm not I'm not a huge Bark at the Moon fan, but I was listening to the song again. I'm like, this is a good song. Hmm. I like the intro. John, how do you feel about Bark at the Moon? I mean, it's um, I mean, I I love I love the song. There are a few good songs on it, but I think um, overall it falls a little bit short from the first two albums, but I still consider like that initial like eighties Ozzy, some of his best. I feel like he had a great band during this time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the production could have been a little bit better. Yeah. Cause I mean, you still had like, I think Bob Daisley was still on this one. I, yeah. I know there was like a, 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 a while where Bob Daisley was still songwriting for him but he wasn't really on the albums I think he was though songwriting and still on this album but I mean if you hear it's basically yeah that's definitely Bob Daisley yeah it yep. sounds like him yeah and I mean I think how they Jake quote E Lee <laughs> E <laughs> like Jake E, e is, his, uh, is his nickname yeah but um but yeah I mean I feel like there were um I don't know if the songs were like maybe um, produced a little heavier. I've always felt this album was kind of very echoey. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Tommy Aldridge on drums, Bob Daisley on bass. So you're kind of splitting the difference between like the touring band and yeah. the Blizzard of Oz lineup. That's Tommy Aldridge. Yeah. Yep. I haven't heard any ridiculous double bass yet. 
Have you heard of the concrete wrists? Don't think so. Cement wrists. <laughs> this album overall, if I remember, was a little more mellow, wasn't it? Yeah. It had like just um, slow down on this one. I'm so yeah, tired. Forever, so tired. I remember. I remember your cousin Jeff like like hated that song. So tired. Like, I could do without. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It didn't. I feel like it didn't have like um as as good of songs on it. Um, and the production as well. Although mm-hmm. I was I was all about like the uh, the vibe of the album, like the the imagery. Um, honestly, mean, like the full transformation into werewolf. One. Yeah. Which I mean, I know that Ultimate Sin was considered like uh, way too slick and not heavy enough, but uh, production was definitely better, and the songs were there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that um was was Ultimate Sin was that the one that's uh, slow down was on? No, this is slow down was on this one. It was, yeah. Because we used to um, maybe it was you know, and the I'm looking at the UK release and it doesn't have slow down on it. Maybe huh. it wasn't. Yeah, because it's yeah, yeah on the US release it was on it. But I think yeah. the initial albums like Blizzard Diary, this, and even like if you throw Speak of the Devil in the middle there, I always thought those were the those early Ozzy albums really conveyed like a like a that early 80s kind of evil metal like uh, image that Ozzy never never quite got back because as he got toward the later 80s he did get a little more slick I mean he was still out of his friggin mind and <laughs> cool but I mean once he got to like you know yeah. 88 89 90 he had better PR after, like, and he would wear like the little John Lennon glasses and he'd try to be kind of like yeah, yeah, he got he, kind of. He seemed to get it together a little, a little bit more on the, on the, whatever on, on the image front yeah. <laughs> instead of shaving his head bald and like, yeah, doing whatever crazy stuff he was doing. We're just wearing dresses on stage and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was this like this um, this story. I, I, I don't I don't know if it was like in Bob Daisley's book or something, or it was might have been a story where it was like, I don't know. Uh, he was trying to piss everybody off, like, you know, Sharon, he and Sharon were fighting and he's like, ah, oh, so he didn't want to go out on stage or something. And he's like, yeah, like, you better get on stage. And he's like, all right, I'll get on fucking stage. And he's like, put on one of her dresses and performed, <laughs> like went out there and performed one of her dresses or something just to piss her off. It was like, it's just like a million wild stories. I probably got it all wrong, but I mean, it. Most I mean, that's the happened. thing. You could kind of just use a random generator to make up an Aussie story, and you'd be like, you know, two, two truths and a lie. I mean, how how could you tell the difference? <laughs> he snorted ants. You yeah, know, I'll, like, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you that that story. Like, if you've ever seen that uh, the Netflix Motley Crue movie, um, which I did watch out of curiosity, overall wasn't that good. Oh, I but I will it. say that they recreated the ants snorting story at the pool with them and Ozzy. Yep. And just from memory, I remember the guy that played Ozzy was like dead on. Like really? whoever they, like he was probably the best, the best made up of all of them. Like I was like, wow, this guy could be like, do like the <laughs> Ozzy docudrama or something. But they, the way they portrayed that whole scene and the guy who played him, it was like always how I imagined it. So no, I'm going to have to wow. watch it just for that scene. Yeah, yeah. Really. just watch that one scene. Yeah, is it still available? Um, I don't know because I I watched it when it first came out, and I mean I you know one and done. I haven't seen it since, but yeah, um, it was a Netflix 
movie. So, I mean, I'm assuming it would still be available on there. Probably. Probably. You never know, because sometimes they just like, eh, we don't have that movie anymore. <laughs> Taking up too much <laughs> yeah, space on the hard drive. We had to delete it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I watched a documentary on Ren and Stimpy. Did you? Oh, I'd love to see that. I, I did. There's one on... Um, Oh, I'll I'll look at the name of the station in a minute. It's fr- um, it's free, but uh, it, it's actually really sad. The, oh, really? The first hour of it is great, and I, I emailed my buddy. I'm like, hey, you got to check out this awesome Ren and Stimpy documentary. And then it just took a turn. Oh, did, didn't the guy who created them die or something? Or no, he he kind of shacked up with somebody that was well below his age range, and it got kind of ugly after he split off from. After he was forced to split off from the show he created, oh, no. it's depressing. Like, like oh, the yeah. last, if like just watch the first hour and then you'll be like, okay, I need to leave before it 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 goes sour. Yeah, we watched the um, what was it? It was like a it was a documentary about the puppeteers, and it was a large part mm. of it was about what was his name, Kevin Clash or something, the guy who did Elmo. Hmm. And like the whole movie was like, mo- you know, it's like sometimes they they focus more on one person than another. So they focused on him yeah. and, you know, just how um, like he was like the guy for um, for, uh, you know, puppeteers and everything. And then like we watched that movie. We really liked it. It was like they brought like these like um, make a wish kids to it. And he like would do Elmo for them. And the parents are hugging him and crying. And it was just like um, unbelievable. And then like. I don't know, like a few months later, it came out that he'd done some horrible things. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> totally ruined it for me. It was such a, a heart, yeah. it was like a heartwarming, really interesting movie about like, about the, like the Muppets and puppets behind Sesame Street and all that. It was, uh, it was kind of a bummer. You can't, you, you can't believe it anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, Tubi, T-U-B-I is where you can oh. watch the Ren and Simpy documentary for all of you Deep Purple fans who are suddenly... Want to know about Ren and Stimpy? <laughs> and um, FYI, I was just uh, checking in on that. Uh, the Dirt Motley Crew movie is still available on Netflix. Oh, okay, cool. All right, I have to watch it. I'll have to oh, check geez. that out. I'll have a watching party after this. All right. So um, next up, we have to thank our amazing patrons, uh, all those wonderful people who support the show uh, every single week and keep us going. We really appreciate them every single day. At the core level, coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99 New Nice Price tier, we have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea. At the episode $6.66 tier, Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith. Oh, sorry. Arthur Smith. Getting support from the patron Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows. At the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore, Michael Bagford, and Richie Sucksmith. At the $5.99, the nice price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. Um, at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. And at the $5 Moneylender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger, Slepikoff, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and Coyote Bongwater. Thank you to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. What do we have next? Okay, so we have lots of stuff. So now we're we're moving into the mid '80s, and we got um, another track up. This is off the Phenomena album, which is the kind of Glenn Hughes 
Galley Brothers sort of uh, concept album about uh, like about um, I don't want to say the occult, but what do you call it? Nate's not even sure. You know, like <laughs> super, What's another word supernatural, for I think, is what I'm looking for. Oh, there there you go. Supernatural sort of stuff. And this track is called Dance with the Devil. Feels very river dance so far. Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> Is that Linda Blair? It looks like her, right? Looks like Linda Blair holding up a Van Halen logo. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, we're hearing some 80s Irish pop music. Oh my God, reverb. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no shortage of it on this one. <laughs> What we lacked earlier, we're making up for it now. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s, folks. <laughs> it almost sounds like Joe Lynn Turner. It could be, right? See, I don't know. I don't know what... um. I know Don Airy's on this album. I don't know if he's on this particular song. <laughs> Might have screwed well, it up on that one. Well, here's some keyboard pads. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe those are just the violins. So anyway, that is a little phenomena for you. Um... An album we will uh, revisit, no doubt, one day, um, as it features a lot of connected deep purple folks. Mm -hmm. um, next up, we have the track. So now we're into Alaska territory. So we got Bernie Marsden and uh, Don Airy once again. They've <laughs> crossed over so many times. Um, and this one is called... This song is called I Really Want I Really Want to Know off of the album The Pack. So I really want to know. Here we go. And when you talk of about on the nose, all their stuff is like ice. <laughs> Alaska, it's covered in ice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ian Gillen designed album covers. <laughs> Is that Bernie singing? No, the singer is, um, oh, what's his name? Let's see here. I'll look it up. Why could I not find the singer's name? He's got a good voice. Oh, 
Yeah, this is very 80s. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. Yeah, we're firmly into the mm. 80s now. Yes. We're firmly into the 80s pop. From the album cover to the bass line, <laughs> there is nothing that's not 80s about this song. I feel like I need a Rocky montage or something. <laughs> Rock, try to catch this chicken. <laughs> Everyone's Have you guys cre- seen the, the the new cut of Rocky Four yet? Uh, no, no, they did a new. Yeah, he he felt that Drago wasn't represented enough as as a human, and I guess he put in a lot of scenes that he had cut out of the original version. Oh, really? He did no, that during make Drago COVID, more yeah. relatable. Mm-hmm. Instead of making him just a monolithic Russian evil dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't really go back in time and undo the uh, kind of xenophobic shit that you did in the 80s, so just leave it alone. <laughs> Own the xenophobic shit you did in the 80s. Well, I mean, I guess it could be legit, but I just wish people would just leave the past alone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, sometimes it just unfortunately does not, um, it doesn't translate well to modern, but like, what are you going to do? Yeah, but I mean, what does? I mean, what what happened then is representative of what then was. So it's making things historically inaccurate if you change it. I that's think. true. Yeah, that's true. I, I I don't imagine you're taking shots at George Lucas there, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's never fiddled with his past movies. Not at all. <laughs> all right, so that was Alaska, and I. I People probably yelling at their podcast machines. I can't figure out who the singer was right now. <laughs> so this, um, there's a couple of bands named Alaska, which makes it a little more difficult. So, oh, yeah, it is. Robert Haw- Hawthorne. Sorry. It was right here in front of me. Ah, don't, there's also don't a guy, him, a guy but... named Brian Bad. I guess it's Badham, but it's spelled like Bad Hams, <laughs> who played bass. <laughs> Maybe hmm. that's what was on the other album cover. It might have been. It's a, it's a, well, they're not going to go bad with all that ice. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there you go. That's a little Alaska for you. And I know that I was trying to find this live shot I saw of them years ago that where they were playing like some festival or something. I just could not find it. Um, but I know there was a, there was a really good, um, a good video I'd seen before. So they, they must have had some level of success. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they ever really quite took off, but they they played like a lot of those, you know, 80s, like, let's all, you know, get rid of the Cold War sort of festivals and stuff. So oh, yeah. I think they were kind of in that group. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there were almost too many of these bands to uh, comment on, like, in this era. So that was 85. This is 86. This band is called Sinner. And this is going to be emblematic of some of the stuff he's playing on for a few years, which is this really kind of over the top. um, (laughs) I don't know what you'd call it, but like kind of just cheesy sort of uh, 80s stuff. And I can't even find it. So maybe I don't have it. (laughs) Or is it? It's it's funny, though, to to think of that last song and things that he was only two years away from from Whitesnake 87. I know, right? Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, or whenever they actually recorded, because I don't know when when the sessions were. But I mean, just to think, just from a stylistic point alone, mm-hmm. so different. Yeah, 
Yeah, so let me play uh, this one. Uh, my dog's losing her freaking mind. Um, so let me play. The, the, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it in. I'm going to leave all this in because uh, um, I, I, I said early on the bitches are in heat and they are. Um, so we'll just keep it real. So this one is called A Coming Out Fighting by the band Sinner. No, no, I'm sorry. That was the one they don't have. This one's called Is There Rock and Roll in Heaven, which is like the dumbest name for a song. It's by oh Slave God. Raider. Check this out. Whoa. The band name isn't too good either. Oh, yeah, that time in the 80s when you had to have one of your eyes covered at all times. You had to have the eye patch person in the band. Right. And it's like, I genuinely can't tell if 50% of the band is women or if it's just the <laughs> makeup that they're wearing or if the one in the middle is a person or in a statue listen to this <laughs> I love it slave raider <laughs> yeah there's like this kind of eye patch wearing woman judge it looks like holding pointing a gavel at you I almost thought that was Dave Mustaine in the middle on the left side. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> is there oh rock god. and roll in heaven? <laughs> oh my god. This is awful. Off of the what do you know about rock and roll? Do you think they're a rock band? I don't think so because they don't seem to know anything about it. They're asking all these questions. Is True. it in heaven? What do you know about Hey, do you know anything about it? Because we're a rock band, so we got to kind of brush up. It's the kind of thing you'd put into chat GTP or GPT. You just put in, what do you know about rock and roll? <laughs> or tell me if there is rock and roll in heaven. <laughs> um, so where's Don Airy in this? I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not on the cover. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's him with the, uh, the judge's uh, wig on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's him with the low revealing neckline that's going to either reveal something or nothing. I don't know. Wow. So say they're asking if there's rock and roll in hell as well. Well, if, it, if there's rock and roll in hell, then this is going to be it. <laughs> if there is rock. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a different <laughs> yeah. playlist in heaven than there is in hell. <laughs> right. I mean, I know there's no laughing in heaven, but is there rock and roll? That's true. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's Slave Raider, um, just awesome. There's a, there's so there's that he played on Helix, he played on a Glasgow album, um, he pl kind of played all over. And like I said, I wonder if you know next time we have him on the show, we'll have to be like, hey, so what was it like working with Slave Raider? He'll be like, who? <laughs> 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 you won't remember. You know, because so for a guy like this, this this might have been a. A two-hour gig, you know, he showed up to the studio, busted out some things, and was like, got his check and left, and then they're like, yeah, you bring it up three weeks later, he might not have known. Well, and let's put this in perspective. This was after Rainbow. This was yep. after Michael Shanker. Mm -hmm. This is after playing with Ozzy Osbourne. And it was and, after and he, White Snake 87. So he has to be wondering at this point, like, what did I do wrong? Where did my career go? <laughs> well, I think he's more thinking that just like, hey, I got a... You know, I, I'm a studio guy, so I'll do, you know, I'll do whatever. Yeah. You know, I, at a certain point, it's, you know, you're all, you, you, you gotta, you gotta eat to live. So I guarantee those sessions did not take long. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but what did take long is he did do his first solo album, K2, uh, 
And this one is off of that album. Let me just find the exact mark here because it's a little ways in. This is the the track Ascent to Camp 4. And uh, away we go. So is this a concept album? Yeah, Tales of Triumph and Tra- Tragedy by Don Airy. And I picked this one because it kind of reminds me of uh, Accidentally on Purpose. <laughs> yeah. It's the same baseline, I think. <laughs> Wait, me. What was oh, it? Chet's on this too. Chet. 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 Boy, that snare is so compressed. Yeah, it sure is. If it's even real, it could be just a trash yeah, that can. Could be. So this album has uh, some of his old pals on it, including Gary Moore and Cozy Powell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that the dog or is that the album? It's the album right now. Are you hearing that? The breaths in there? Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, oh, nice. Wow. Ooh, like a little. See, he's all over the place on this one. Yeah, I really like what the bass was playing there with the piano. That was nice. Yeah, this is a cool album. I like this one in uh, Into the Light, and there's a couple of ones he does. It's really cool. This one, I think the whole thing's instrumental, and I know on a few of the other ones he's got, like Carl Sentence does some of the vocals, and it's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So, so for, for a first album, that's, uh, that's pretty killer. Not bad. Not bad. Which brings us to the next track, which is uh, the band Fast Way. Played with Fastway? Hey man, he played with everybody. Jeez. Who didn't he? Who didn't he play with? Okay, so there's a good chance that I. Well, it depends on the song, but I I knew a Fastway. I don't know if it was before Rainbow or not. So this is Fastway. On Target is the album, and this is um, Change of Heart. Mm. Listen to that. These guys. This would be really tough to pick up in a uh, game of uh, guess the decade. <laughs> it's it's called the decade where they didn't let go of the eighties. <laughs> this is uh, Neil Murray on bass on this one as well. The production's good. Yeah, it definitely has a like a higher budget sound to it. Mm-hmm. Well, produced by Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. 
And he did guitar and backing vocals too. Mm. Did anybody in these pictures, like, did anybody in the picture here actually play on this friggin' song? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Steve Clark on actually, drums, not the, not the Def Leppard Steve Clark. That's actually Fast Eddie over on the right there. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's that's kind of that's kind of wild to like think he was in Motorhead and then he got all glammed out. <laughs> hey man, you gotta like, you, said, like you gotta like make that money. Got glammed out. You know. God, everything's just so staccato, just dun, 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 right on the beat and. <laughs> There was something too about the the style of keyboards at this time, the octave that they were playing in, which was a little bit higher, so they yeah. could kind of cut through that guitar sound. Even a few years earlier, a lot of the keyboard backings were almost completely unnoticeable. Yeah, but this one is a. It's also funny when you get somebody like Don. You know who we need for this? We need Don Airy. No one else could handle this. <laughs> right. I mean, you tell me one of those other guys crouching down over there couldn't have done. Beep, 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 beep. I mean, I could have done the keyboards on this so far. Makes you wonder, too, a, a lot of these bands, what they did live. Did they, you know, because they, they use a studio session guy. But what did they do on the tour? Did they have somebody? Did they have nobody covering that part? That's a good good question. I don't know if they would could have played to a tape or if they would have had somebody else. I mean, like like I said, it wouldn't have been you wouldn't have needed Don Airy to tour with you because right, I doubt yeah. they were giving them a, a an eleven minute on stage keyboard solo. They were probably just behind the curtain. I like how you have like you have this blitzed out 80s band and they're like crouching down in like a garden in somebody's backyard or yeah, something. Yeah, it looks like it looks like those pictures we took back in the day in your in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had the just bend like the nail construction shirt on. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most common oh, uh, band pictures is just crouching down yeah. in a garden somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, but usually I mean, it's a it, cemetery or something like or railroad <laughs> tracks. This is just like literally a backyard. Right. Yeah. Or I mean, uh, just around the like you would you would have like uh, somebody in the the a band of the late sixties, early seventies posing outside in in a garden or like uh, with in a woods or in the yeah. woods or something like around this time they'd be like in a studio with like a blue backdrop or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know the uh, the the glamour shots uh, background the the lasers or something like that. <laughs> the, and so the whole. <laughs> Yeah. The whole nature thing doesn't seem to go with their look. Yeah, well, it looked a lot worse before they edited out the lawn chairs in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Those old lattice lawn chairs with the aluminum frames. Fire pit. Fire I just pits. like how on, on the front of the cover, they've got the blonde wash for the top of all of their heads. And then you get to the back and the picture's in color and they don't look anything like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hey. It's awesome. There you go. Some more Don Airy for you. Um so the next one we got, so after that, this is a big one because this only came out a few years ago, but he played on um, Judas Priest's Painkiller, um, and he's he recently announced or uh, 
it was it was put out in a uh, I don't know what you would call it, but but there was an article about it that he did all the bass on this album because the bass player was was sick and he did this all the bass on the album. And at first I thought, wait, he played the bass, but he played it on a synth. So here's oh, okay. uh, Judas Priest Hell Patrol <laughs> off of Painkiller. Every time I, mean, I listen to this, I try to hear like that it's not a real bass, but it's so it's mixed in so well that you can't tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's why you can't detect it is because it still kind of has remnants of that mid to late '80s production to it, where again everything was uh, as um, I think you know very on the beat, very staccato, very mixed in together. Mm-hmm. So he could have just done all this on a a synth and you wouldn't have even been able to tell I just imagine yeah, like, yeah. like just really fast you know like just with one finger playing but also the quality of the samples were so good by this point that you know a little bit of blending and a little bit of EQ it would be really hard to tell the difference yeah yeah so now we're into the 90s sort of 1990 mm-hmm. So he's kind of listed on some things as being, you know, it's been amended on Wikipedia and things like that. But he was uncredited at the time and it didn't come out until I want to say like 2020, 2021 or something. He was doing it. I don't know if it's one of those things where he'd been talking to Rob Halford or something or what happened. But he's just like, oh, yeah, I played all the bass on Painkiller and everyone, everyone is freaking (laughs) out. It was like on the front page of Blabbermouth for a week. Oh, I played the bass on Painkiller. These are the kind of things that change everything. (laughs) Yes. I think what I'd be curious about, because, I mean, he's obviously a pretty serious name by this point. How how do these sessions go? Like, does he get a bit of leeway to go, hey, you know what, guys, did did you think about trying this or what, what if we did that versus just the typical hired gun where you just come in and you play your part and you shut up and you go home? I mean, I guess it depends on who you're playing with. For Judas mm. Priest, they might have been like, no, just play the root notes really yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah, we just need somebody to thicken this up. Yeah. But then why are you paying Don Airy fees for that? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, that's... uh, That is Judas Priest, Painkiller, an album where we got to do sometime. <laughs> I'll say uh, that is the production on that though for this kind of music that's hard to mix. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the production on that is really good. You hear everything. It is good. Mm. And that's one of the songs like I know when I first heard this album I couldn't even deal with it. I was like it was all Whoa! He was just out of the, out of the gate. He was so over the top. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I just wasn't ready for it. Like mentally, I was, I couldn't believe how over the top it was. It almost sounded like a parody. Um, yeah, but yeah, you got to admire what they do. And Rob Halford's voice is just incredible. Have either of you guys seen them live? No. I, well, I have. I have not. I saw Uriah Heap open for them. I think I'm pretty sure it was the last concert I saw before COVID. 
Um, And when that guy walks out on stage, he is just such a presence. I mean, he looks larger than life. He's got the whole uh, pinhead outfit on. (laughs) And uh, he just he's really a commanding presence on stage. And they were, you know, I I stayed for a few songs because they're they're not really a band I'm into. But I was really blown away by how good they were. He's he is a big guy, right? He's got to be pretty tall. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. And he's now he's big. Like back in the day, he was skinny. Like he was a little skin and bones. Now he's like a kind of a mm-hmm. like a he's beefy. He's a beefy. Yeah. He's a big beefy man. He's <laughs> and he just like well, him- crouches over the microphone like <laughs> like the way he, he looks like he's giving him serious pain. It, it almost like they had his spine removed at the neck just so he could do that with his head. Uh, a buddy of mine, I saw him one other time uh, with a band called Fight when he was playing in Denver. A buddy of mine's band was opening for him. So I went down to support my buddy. And I'm like, well, I'll stay for whoever this. I think he I, I only knew another thing coming at the time. So I, I knew who he was, but um, really didn't know any of their other songs. And, and even then, I thought he was pretty good. But when I saw him a, f- a few years ago with Heap, I was like, wow, I, I was really blown away. Nice. Yeah, never, never seen him. Probably never will at this point, but we'll see. Probably not, um, yeah. Next up is the band, another huge uh, Deep Purple connection in this band, um, in Deep Purple Family, and that is Force Field 4. Um, this is, the. This is, is this uh, Let the Wild Run... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yes, Let the Wild Run Free. I always want to say Let the Free Run Wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this band features uh, Cozy Powell... Graham Bonnet sure. and Ray Fennick. Graham Bonnet. Wow. Special guests, Don Airy, Bernie Marsden, Mickey Moody. Nice. One of the rare moments where you can see Graham's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Graham Bonnet was pretty skinny in this one, too. Yeah. I don't know. These are uh, they're not what you would call handsome men. <laughs> As my cousin Jeff would say, the bass player was as ugly as sin. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, Bernie and and, uh, Moody played together a lot. Yeah, they did. I want to say Mo Foster's on this album, too. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me see. And this song was written by Russ Ballard. Oh wow! Yeah, so a lot of a lot of folks on this album from other things. Mick Ralphs was also on this album. Denny Lane, Barry St. John, Don Henley. Is they do a Don Henley song? Uh, no, no Mo Foster on this one. I must be thinking of something else. With how thick that bass sounds, you'd almost think it was Sausage Fingers doing it. I know, right? <laughs> only there's only ten fingers I know of that can make that sound. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mo. We love you. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that's oh, the my camera went from. out again. So I, think I don't know this... why that keeps happening. What's up? Oh, now it's just unable to detect it. Well, we can still hear you. No, I got to be there. You got a face made for radio, so that's fine. <laughs> As do we, and as do the three guys in Force Field 4. 
That's what, what I love when, uh, when, when I do the uh, Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited show with Corey Morissette, and, and he always says this, he announces me as the sexiest man in podcasting. <laughs> We're an audio podcast. <laughs> it's the sound Which of your voice. Yeah. Well, Thank you very much. I was listening to a, uh, a podcast about... Uh, in in the in the fifties, there was this uh, these like the, the weather girls, and they would announce the radio mm-hmm. and like these really sexy voices, or announce the weather rather, and these really sexy voices on the radio. They're like Phoenix, na- fifty five degrees, cloudy, and like all these like sultry <laughs> voices and everything, and like guys would like get all bent out of shape listening to <laughs> these women talk about the weather. It was really interesting. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, so maybe it has a maybe you're doing something like that for Aerosmith fans. Oh man, every time he talks about ragdoll, I can't handle myself. I get worked up. Love the way he complains about Steven Tyler. (laughs) Gets me so hot and bothered. All right, so we got a few more as we as we wrap up our uh, our pre two thousand two Don Airy. We got another one here. Uh, this is Brian May played with Brian May along with Cozy Powell again. Again, Cozy Powell and Bernie Marsden. He's all over everything with those guys. This one is off the album Resurrection. Wait, off the album. The song is Resurrection off the album Back to the Light. There we go. Looks like he's going back to the hairdresser for a refresh on that perm. (laughs) So one thing you got to love about Brian May is his talent in his hair. (laughs) I used to, I mean, talk about, I mean, one of the most distinctive guitar players ever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, listen to that ride cymbal. Yeah, that's cozy for sure. Now we're at 1992, is it? Yeah, 1992. Mm. Sounds really good. I like it. (laughs) That was very, very Brian May right there. Very. Aside from his hair and his his talent, I've always liked his sound. He always gets such a good good guitar sound. Yeah, he's got to be one of the top, the best tones ever. Just so much care, mm. and it's he seems to be very meticulous about getting the tone that he gets, and yeah. you know just his stuff. With I, I don't know much about his solo stuff, but like the stuff mm-hmm. he has done that he did with Queen is just, I mean. 
his and every solo he he writes sounds like a composite or it sounds like a composition. It doesn't it sound like he's yeah. much of an improviser. I mean, I'm sure he's a great improviser, but as far as like what he puts on the record, it seems very deliberate. Like it's, right, yeah. you know, of course he's coming in with, you know, uh, he'll play something and then all of a sudden it'll be tripled and quadrupled and quintupled by the end of the guitar mm-hmm. solo. So clearly he's not a uh, winging it. Um, right. But yeah, what a player. Um, yeah. Very talented guy. Um, then we've got the, uh, he played uh, with Eddie Harden, the wind in the willows live uh, performance. And we mm-hmm. did review a little bit of this when we did our little tribute to Ray Fennick. And this one, um, of course, he features him playing with uh, John Lord on stage. Talk about a, a, an abundance of keyboardists. But um, here here he is going into one of the segments where um, we get a bit of Don and, Don and John soloing. So here we go. We get Zach Starkey on drums, Pete York on drums. There's Don Airy with a, the most 90s shirt ever. <laughs> <laughs> you get it at Zeke Everici. <laughs> <laughs> and there's his finger up style that yeah. Scott was commenting on. And to have the pinky straight out and the fourth finger knuckled, that is yeah, so like weird to look at. Yeah, he's like knuckling the three at. fingers, but his thumb and his pinky are like... Yeah. It's a nice Roger Glover bass groove right there. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they got John Lord like hiding behind a plant in the back there. <laughs> Don Airy's here. What a setup this is. I mean, there's so many people on stage. Eddie Harden's off to this off to the other side with a piano. So there's three pianos and then in a bit, there'll be another piano coming out. There's John Lord. Looks like he just uh, had a blowout at the salon. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they're playing at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they cleared out a few tables. <laughs> Put them over there by the fake trees. Well, we're not going to pay you, but you can leave a tip bucket if you want. <laughs> Yeah, you get free uh, free guac and and all the all the tortilla <laughs> shells you can eat. Right, no more than three baskets. <laughs> so he's doing this a weird like kind of circusy interlude. I don't know if this, this means feels like a very toned down version of live Mandrake Root. Yeah, it's a real, a real gentle sort of. There's John Lord on the Hammond. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about Don Airy, but I feel like we got to watch John Lord. Yeah. A very different playing style. funny he's allowed to do a solo when they have two keyboard players where he often doesn't get a solo where he's the only keyboard player <laughs> I know. there's soon to be four keyboard players <laughs> and when I skip ahead to the next section you'll see I 
But it sounds like he doesn't have his normal... He's really just kind of going for a normal organ tone. It doesn't sound like the Leslie or the... Or at yeah. least not, not yeah, as very distorted. softened. He didn't, he didn't turn the beast on. Exactly. A little bit of lazy. <laughs> the talent on this stage is just incredible. Uh, nuts. Looks like he's wearing like a metal alert bracelet. <laughs> Him and Don Airy are both doing the little circus thing there. <laughs> Not what you'd expect to hear at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> And it looks like John Lord's sitting down, which is odd. Maybe he's not. Maybe yeah. he's standing up. But think about, too, from, from Don Airy's perspective. I mean, that's the guy that made him want to get into this business in the first place. And here he is doing a gig with him. I mean, how amazing would that be? Mm. And it's funny because on this one, Don Airy seems to take center stage a lot more. On this performance. But anyway, I'm going to skip ahead because there's another old friend that pops out that we've been referencing a bit lately. So you've got this this guy telling the story in between songs here. But it takes more than spooky rumors to scare me. So here we go. And there's Ray Fennec on guitar over there on the like really 90s looking guitar. And look who's coming out drummer? on stage with a cigarette. Tony Ashton? Yep. Wow. <laughs> He's mostly just oh, dancing. How did I guess? <laughs> He's, so he goes over, he brings a he brings a drink to Eddie Harden. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, for a guy who didn't want to be a front man. I know, right? I think he's a little more comfortable now than he had been in the past. Or drunk. <laughs> That's Zach Starkey on drums. Is that on his tie? I don't know. It's a very 90s tie, I think. Very. It's much like his, his appearance in Butterfly Ball. He just comes out with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth and <laughs> doing a whole song. <laughs> Not enough concerts like these these days where just people just like yeah. wander on the stage, do a song, and then wander <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, this this is kind of like you know one of those uh, all star dream concerts, right? Yeah. Where where you just like you you just can't wait to see who walks out next. 
Um, you're right. There's not a lot of stuff like because everything's so announced and so planned. And yeah, mm. there's not a lot of surprises in this world anymore. But this is one of those no. concerts. Even though I don't really know the music that well, and I don't know the song, even if I didn't know it, you just go out and you're like, oh my god, it's Eddie Harden. Oh my god, it's Tony Ashton. Oh yeah. my god, it's it's uh, Graham Bonnet. Oh my god, it's John Lord. You just all these people right. at this concert. You just how could you not have fun? I don't even know what they're singing yeah. about. This is great. The, the biggest mystery now is when Ed Sheeran dressed up as one of Taylor Swift dancers and surprised her at a concert. No. <laughs> it's like as good as it gets now. I'm sure the kids loved it. I'm sure. Oh, look at that invisible shield. Yeah, he's got like a, I don't know if it's a, uh, <laughs> Tony Ash is just <laughs> he's hovering and staring at the saxophone. He's making him uncomfortable. I think he's, <laughs> he's trying to get by on the stage. I'm trying to play a solo here. There goes Don Airy. Oh, he threw that in. That was from a Wizards convention. Ah. And here goes Tony Ashton getting on. Doing a little piano solo. So we got Eddie Harden, Tony Ashton... Don Airy and John Lord all playing keys at the same time. Like, it's pretty insane. You know, for a guy who doesn't even know where he is half the time, I, I have to say he really <laughs> knows how to play with feeling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks like just as surprised as we are. He's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, how I mean, can that's you... either feeling or uh, unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> so, Barely conscious. So anyway, we're. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's definitely something worth watching the whole show. It's what? It's uh, almost two hour Very long. Very entertaining. Two hour wow. long show. Very entertaining. Um, tons of guests. You got Maggie Bell and Graham Bonnet and Tony Ashton come out and uh, all the people Jeez. we just mentioned. Zach Starkey and Pete. Or, I mean... Uh, I'm sure there's people I'm probably leaving out, but it's it's a it's a lot of fun. What a night! <laughs> yeah, right. And it's probably one of those things they probably played to like 500 people. Right. Probably, yeah. Probably, probably like super small group. So, mm-hmm. um, so a few more things to go over before we uh, before we wrap up. One is uh, is uh, 1997, and when we talked to Don, he said this was like the the crowning moment of his career, like the highlight of his career, and that's when he was the musical director. For Katrina and the Waves, who he had worked with quite extensively before this point, to direct them to a Eurovision win in 1997. So this is the song Love Shine a Light. This is the performance that won Don Airy his... Oh, there he is. Look. Wow. As he conducts. He still looks so young. I know, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it was 26 years ago, I guess, but... Well, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> you should have seen me 26 years ago. <laughs> and as an American, I don't really get Eurovision, but I know it's like absolutely huge. It's like the, the Olympics of uh, pop music or whatever you want to call it. Hmm. You said he had worked with them. Did he? He didn't play on Walking on Sunshine, did he? I don't think that early, but he he did work with them in the '90s on a few okay. of their albums. Of my chin, the 
This almost feels like a religious song, like like a Christian rock type song. It does, mm-hmm. right? That guitar player's feeling it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, he man. is. He's wearing his guitar like Slash. I expect him to bust out a solo <laughs> like he's outside of a church in the desert. <laughs> yeah, if they mentioned Jesus a little more, I could see this being like a Christian rock song. It's got that feel. I remember when we brought this up. When we brought this up when Don was on the show, he was like, "Oh, he got, he got all excited!" And it was so long ago. He's like, "Oh, yes!" That. He's like, "That was the that was the best." He's like, "I won Eurovision." He was like so excited. So you hear those like Beatles esque George Martin sort of horn orchestrations yeah. in the back. Mm-hmm. Very 90s outfits, too. These oversized blazers. Yeah. They suddenly want some midship ice cream. <laughs> Look there. <laughs> you got one in, a, in an oversized blue suit and one in an oversized red suit. So there you oh, go. The yin and the yang. <laughs> the yin and the yang of 80s fashion. <laughs> Background singers all in black. Yep. So there you go. That is... Uh, you have the... Electric green shirt in the middle. Yeah, right. Well, where's he at, though? Well, I don't know. He's off somewhere uh, conducting because we saw him at the very beginning. And then but I heard some organ. I thought he was playing. I don't think he's playing. I think he's conducting because huh. he had like the little baton and he was the baton. Yeah. yeah. And he took a bow, took a little bow. He looked he and he looked so excited. Um, That's pretty awesome, though. So just a couple more. You've got Um, he did play with. uh Tony Iommi and Glenn Hughes on the on the eighth star, which was kind of their follow up, um, where they had it was basically trapeze with Tony Io, uh, Tony Iommi filling the Mel Galley role, and mm. um, here's just like a brief segment of one of the songs, but. Um Actually, no. I'm sorry. This is yeah. This is the beginning of the album. If you want to call it an album, I don't think it was ever really finished. Speaking of trapeze, I hear there was a new Lost Tapes album yeah. coming out. I'm excited for that. Should be fun. I don't know if Glenn's voice goes with this riff. There's Glenn. Yeah. All right, there, there we go. There it's, it's a little yeah, better. And it's kind of almost like a demo, but mm. it was also it was also later released as the D, in the deep DEP sessions. I'm sorry, um, mm. but they redid the drums on them on it. But this is a band. This is a cool band. Glenn Hughes, Tony Omi, Don Airy, Dave Holland on drums. So it's like basically a half trapeze and half Sabbath from a certain point. So this is worth checking out because it's cool. Uh, if you like the Eight Star stuff or the uh, Fused or any of that stuff, it's kind of a cool missing lost tapes sort of feel to it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, gonna, I mean, it definitely feels unpolished, but uh, but I like where that song was going. I like the changes and instead of that straight part, you know what they went into. Uh, that stuff, that kind of stuff really gets hard to sing over, too, because it's not I mean, it's not written for vocal tone yeah, at all. Yep. But as, as always, Glenn finds a way. Um, mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, the last thing I really have is well, you've heard of Quatermass. But have you heard of Quatermass 2? That is Woman in Love. Here we go. This is Woman in Love from Quatermass 2, which was a kind of reforming of Quatermass. The album was called Long Road. As you can tell, the song is Woman in Love. I'm so glad because we haven't had a Quatermass reference in a long time. I know, too long. It's been at least like 30 episodes. I don't understand what's going on with this print shop album cover, though. I don't even know if that's the real album cover. Oh, I don't think the real album cover, I think, is actually I don't like. Well, the real album covers like. um, Like some trees and it says Quatermass and then you see those little Quatermass pterodactyls flying around little Hmm. Terry's. So this one is Mick Underwood, Nick Simper on bass, and then Bart Foley on guitar and vocals. In what year are we on? This is 97. Is oh. this the last thing Nicky did? No, because he's done like, uh, what is it? Um, Nick Simper's, whatchamacallit? Nick Simpers. <laughs> no, Nick Simpers, whatchamacallit. <laughs> Nick Simpers, whatchamacallit. That sounds dirty. <laughs> no, he's done uh, Nasty Habits. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, Nasty Habits, yeah. yeah. Mick Underwood's a really talented drummer. Yeah, it's a shame that he's not doing well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think Don Aries played with. I mean, God, he's played with almost everybody, and I think Rod Evans, Tommy Bolin might be some of the only people he's never played with, and that were right. in Deep Purple at some point. Yeah, because he's played with with Coverdale, Hughes, obviously everybody in the band now, Richie. Wow. Don't worry, in like three or four years, it'll come out that he was on Teaser. <laughs> yeah, and then no, but he was on one of those weird, obscure. He was actually in the um, in the new Deep Purple. He was just in disguise. <laughs> right. Oh man. Or he played on a Captain Beyond album, but he was uncredited. I mean, that would be just amazing. Right. So here's here's the question though. So we know the people he's played with, but and I know I don't expect you to answer this, but I would be curious to know the people he turned down, mm. whether it was you know like a scheduling issue because he just couldn't get to a session or or what. But I'd love to know who else tried to get him and just couldn't. Oh yeah, because he had to have. <laughs> I don't by by his um, resume, it would appear he's never turned anybody down, but um, he had to have, right? I mean, he yeah. can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like I you mean, said. he had to because he's he been on to tour. That gig. He's been all over the place on tour, all over the world with so many different acts. He can't. He had to have said no to somebody, yeah. but he's well, been I mean, on he so many to, things. He had, he had to leave the gig he was working on to take the job with Purple. 
but yeah. he had started that one. But I mean, like, imagine, imagine Andrew Lloyd Webber calls you up and he's like, hey, I really want you to play on my album. And you're like, yeah. I got like seven sessions this week, <laughs> man. I, I just can't get there. <laughs> Sorry. You have to find somebody else. Oh. Um, yeah. And then, you know, he did he did work with the Company of Snakes, too, which is worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Did a bunch of uh, you know White Snake stuff, so worked with Mick, Moody and Marsden on that on that project. But yeah, um, that's kind of a little a little rundown, a little <laughs> of many different uh, <laughs> Don Airy projects and things that he worked on. But again, not a not a ton where you're like, yeah, he was the guy in this band. He's almost always like a hired gun mm-hmm. um, until. You know, even with Ozzy, like he toured with them for like four years and he was on the albums. But like they, you know, a rainbow, I'd say, is probably one of the only bands where he was like a definitive where they weren't like shoving him off stage or anything like that. He was really in rainbow. Right. But most yeah. of this other stuff that we're seeing, um, he was a hi- hired guy or just, just filling mm-hmm. in or doing the studio track. And then and then all of a sudden he joins Deep Purple and is with him for 20 years. Yeah. It's crazy to think it's been that long. I know, right? I remember yeah, hearing about it, it and being like, wow, um, Don Airy, the new guy. Which was the first album? Was it Rapture of the Deep? No, it was Bananas. Or it was Bananas. Yeah. yeah. So. That's right. Wow. Well, well but he also had the Don Airy band, too. Didn't he have his own uh, his own thing? Yeah, but I think that was later, I think. Because well, he did like the one solo album, and then he did a few more solo albums ever. But I think the Don Airy band only came about relatively recently, maybe within the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, before something to we, do uh, that five minutes purple isn't busy. Yeah, exactly. The, all these guys, Ian Pace has his own band. They're just like, oh, man, I almost didn't play drums for three minutes. I got to form my own band. Um, <laughs> but see, I love that because those are guys that just love playing so much. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so much a part of their lives that they don't want to take time off when they have the opportunity. Yeah. They just they're like, all right, I got free time. Great. I got time for a solo project or I can do this or I can do that. Or like Pace, you'll go play with a bunch of deep purple cover bands just to keep his chops. <laughs> Up He's like, ah, I'll just go play with uh, as long as I'm playing these songs. I haven't played Pictures yeah. of Home in three days. I better go. Uh, <laughs> I better go join a band on stage. Um, yeah, this is more fun when I play it with my own band. But yeah, I'll play it with you guys too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> man, great stuff though. What a, what a talented musician. All right. So before we move on and before we close it out, we do need to do something, which is to thank our foundation level patrons. Um, ooh, do I have the, uh, I think I might have the, um, oh, here we go. Our foundation level patrons. Yes. Coming in at the $3 and 50 cent deep purple New York tier. We have Lord Longford. At the three pound aromatic feed tier, we have Simon Ford and Richard Brees. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. At the $3 nobody's perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback. Then we have Stuart McCord and. Ivan Fjeldboo. Runar Siemensen. A- 
J.J. Stenard, Ruinous Inadequacies. John Maselli. Facial hair through me, you know. Big girl, too. <laughs> Michael Boyette <laughs> and Corey Morissette. At the one dollar and seventy-one cent, I want my own tier. Tier we have. At the ten kroner tier, Karsten Lau. At the one dollar made-up name tier, we have the Don Erie himself. Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 Phonetic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, <coughs> Blackmore Tights, Steve Down to Earth Kohler, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Anders Engstrom, and Ashley Still I Hear Burn. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Whew. All right, guys, we did it. We did a little rundown. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to reach out to Corey and see if he wants to start a Who's the Boss rewatch podcast because I'm just, <laughs> it's just, these clips are way too good. Corey, what about me? No, I wish. <laughs> if I, if I could squeeze in another podcast, I would be all over that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, for sure. Who's going to Corey you I mean, in a bra? <laughs> every, every five minutes, he's coming up with a new show to do. So I know. Yeah. It's like, he's, it's, that's the thing. Like, I've got so many other great ideas for podcasts I'd like to do, but I'm just like, I, I, even the thought yeah. of doing a, a second one, I was like, I, I can't. I, it's. You only got time for this one, yeah. Angela. <laughs> Angela. <laughs> uh, Mona. Say, Jonathan, Samantha, Mona. Oh, man. <laughs> Samantha. Not to mention gold. I'm sure there's got to be Golden Girls podcasts out there. There's got to be some. Oh, yeah. Golden Girls rewatch podcast. I, oh, I, I, better, look, doubt I that. better start looking for that one because. <laughs> Some of those clips that I I got on those um, sites that I follow yeah. are freaking gold. Well, there's two um, uh, accounts that I follow now on Instagram, and one of them just plays clips from Golden Girls, which I'm sure you follow as well because I think we send each other them. And then the other one is the same thing, but with um, Who's the Boss? So Oh, when, I don't have that one. Oh, I'll send it to you. So, so when I run out of... Um, when I ran out of Tony Maselli clips, like, cause I initially did that big, I'll, oh, I'll do a big batch. I'll never run out. And then I ran out. So then I started following this one. So I was like, great. I follow it. And every time I see a good one, I kind of save it in my favorites. And then I shuttle it over the computer so I can get the little clip from it. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's Don Airy guys. What, what, what do we think? What a, a world-class musician. I mean, he's unbelievable. This guy. Yeah. Long and storied career mm. still happening. Yeah, still going. And interestingly, on. you know, they they've always said that John Lord is like the gentleman of rock and roll, but I I feel like Don Airy also follows in his footsteps in the in the gentleman category. Yeah, he never is. heard an ill word spoken about him. And you know, when we when we got to go backstage um, a few times now with Deep Purple, he he's it's funny because it's like him and Roger come out and they're just like. You know, he's got his little glass of wine and Roger's got his thing and they come out and they're, he, I mean, the guy is never not smiling and he just, they're just so like friendly and, and nice and, and all that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whereas the rest of the guys are, you know, maybe a little bit more reserved or you're less likely to kind of bump into them. And that's fine. Like, I don't expect anything from 
these guys who've been doing this for so long, but like, like those two are so um, welcoming and, and Don Airy in particular, just like, just very down to earth and very like, you know, kind of silly and goofy and fun and just like a really, really nice guy. And we we're super fortunate now to have met him, you know, th- what, three or four times and um, yeah. had him on the show and all that sort of stuff. It's just, uh, just what a, what a great guy. And it's such a talented musician, but um excited to hear what he will do with deep purple yeah well you know the the idea of them recording another album is really exciting especially with a a new guitar player and to see what the influences will be Mm. how how it changes the band and it's amazing every time they come out with a new album you're just like oh my god they got a they finally got out their last album i can't believe they got another last album out and here they are (laughs) with another last album on the way um yeah who knows if it will be the last one but yeah it's um if it is the last album, you know, it'll be a shame because it's like this whole new era and vitality brought to the band by Simon. Um, yeah. You could understand if this was the last album, but man, would be, you know, is it going to be a Tommy Bolin thing where we're going to wish there was a at least one more or are they going to pump out a couple? Who knows? They seem to be able to do this almost indefinitely, so... Yeah, I mean they're they're a force for sure. I mean to to be playing as well as they are, um, it just it, it amazes me when so many other bands just could not do what they're doing, or or they do it, but they become a leg- legacy act. And mm-hmm. even though their set list may be a little legacy act ish, they still mm-hmm. are cranking out new music, which is really awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think they feel trapped. I I, I have to yeah. think that they're they feel kind of almost maybe like a slave to what's what's made them who they are. The hits and you know if we if imagine if they didn't do Smoke on the Water, <laughs> they didn't do Highway Star. I mean, people be tipping over, throwing chairs at the the stage. Yeah, it'd be like the seventies again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for joining us again, and, uh, and thank rem- you for having me. Remind our listeners who haven't heard you, I don't know, eighteen times on the Deep Purple podcast. Where can they find you? Uh, the hub for everything is my website, scotthaskin.com. You can find me at Uriah Heap, the Magicians Podcast on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. You can find me on the Haskin Cast, where these lovely gentlemen have been a guest multiple times, and we still have a ton left to mm. do. Uh, and then you can find uh, my books and my music all on my website and, uh, you know, Instagram and whatever. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> ease into it, you can start with one of me or, me or John's guest episodes on the Haskin Cast. And um, hey, but listen, if you like hearing Scott talk about music <laughs> have I got good news for you <laughs> there is you're not going to be listening to our show anymore um, there's plenty of material he's putting pumping out every week if you don't like hearing Scott talk about music I got bad news for you he's, he's <laughs> yeah, doing everywhere. it a lot <laughs> everywhere should be able to avoid it though but yeah check out check him out on the Aerosmith podcast check it out you're right heat podcast there's how many episodes of backlog of hundreds of episodes uh, there's 398, <laughs> uh, or, uh, yeah, 398 episodes of the Magicians podcast. 363, I think I just recorded uh, yesterday for the Haskin Cast podcast. I've done about 40 or so with Corey on Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. So uh, you pop on the Van, Van Halen podcast quite often yeah, for their live shows. I've guested so. on a lot of shows. Yeah, all, all, except for this show, all bands I know almost nothing about, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it does make it more interesting. So. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, yes. I, I bid you adieu. I gotta go deal with 
a dog and some children. <laughs> Thanks some, for having some me back, which, guys. Some of which are in heat. We won't tell you who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope the kids are not yet in heat. You got enough to worry about right now. Yeah. I thought I wouldn't have to deal with, with puberty for a while, and then I got a dog, and instantly, after nine months, he's in puberty. So... <laughs> You know, I was thinking about this the other day, though, Nate. You are going to make you're going to be like the awesome grandpa, though. When when your kids grow up and have kids of their own, you're going to be the one that, you know, because you're always you're always doing things. You made your own charcuterie board, you, you know, like you you do all this stuff. I'm like, you're you're the guy that they're going to want to hang out with. I do a lot of stuff that my kids don't care about, though. So we'll see, but maybe my grandkids will. My grandkids will yeah. be like, oh, I'm super into Deep Purple. Oh, come on, come with me. Uh, we'll go to the basement. basement You'll be on friend. the next episode. <laughs> uh, all right guys well thank you so much great talking to you and uh, yeah great to have you again scott yeah man. thank you guys we'll talk to you guys later thank you for listening to the deep purple podcast if you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future please donate on patreon to support the show you can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Do you want to be in the podcast? Do you want to be in the podcast? <laughs> Who's my little podcaster? Were you talking to me or the dog? <laughs> in the bladder, the temperature is 65. Rain. New York City, 74. Party cloudy. Rainsville, 71. Clear.